Welcome, sports fans, to podcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's fantasy hockey show. Hello, friends. I'm in Paul Bruno, and I'm coming to you from Southern Ontario. And you can follow me at Statsman22, as always. And my co-host, as usual, is AJ Schultz, who's sitting in a comfy spot in Sun Perry, Wisconsin, very close to Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. You can follow him at AJ Schultz24. Now, right off the top, AJ, I guess... I'm a little bit fired up because of the incidents of these suspensions and non-calls relating to these incidents. And I mean, we had another one recently on the weekend that Barry Larkin, I said it again, I said it when we were talking, Dylan Larkin, (laughs) Dylan Larkin gets hurt, cross-checked from behind by Matthew Joseph. There's no penalty on that play. And uh, the the revenge that was sought against the player caused caused another player to get a one-game suspension Furthermore, David Perron gets suspended for cross-checking Artem Zub in the same game, and he gets a six-game suspension when Zub remained in the game. So the inconsistency in the application of suspensions just continues, and I'm still ticked off about the fact that Rat Marchand of the Bruins, 12 games ago, he he cropped the legs out from under Timothy Lilligren with a dirty play from behind, driving him into the boards with a can opener. 12 games this guy's missed. Marshawn didn't even get a minor penalty on that play. So I don't get the inconsistency and application of penalties and suspensions with the NHL these days. And I think there's got to be a, a serious look at this kind of stuff. What's your opinion? Uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, totally agree that... Um... You know, there's uh, some some real inconsistencies there. Um, you know, there Goodbranson had uh, Eric Goodbranson for Columbus had his issue with uh, Nick Cousins. Uh, Nick Cousins hit uh, that he administered in that game was deemed somewhat uh, dirty in some circles uh, that I've seen on the internet. No penalty for Nick Cousins. Uh, but Gabranson retaliates, gets a one-game suspension. Joseph got a whole seven minutes of of penalties, Paul. So let's not forget that he punched one of your best, you know, you know, a world-class center in the back of the head. But seven minutes—that's enough. That's, he that's got enough. that's two separate incidents, though. So I, I, true, I, true, true. So for the incident on Larkin, Larkin's going to miss yeah. some time, and yeah. I no, think that's. Yes, garbage. <laughs> Absolutely, we can use stronger words, but we, we don't want to lose our rating on the podcast, AJ. <laughs> but uh, suffice it to say, I think that that uh, the department that hands out these suspensions is headed by a guy who was a pugilist without almost any equal in George Paros. I mean, he's a well-educated guy too, but they got to take a look at the way these these suspensions are are called, administered, uh, adjudicated. And appealed. I mean, like you mentioned also that, you know, Perron's six-game suspension, it's likely going to face an appeal because of the fact that Zub did not, is not hurt and uh, Perron is a first-time offender. So it reminds me of, again, Jason Spezza with the Leafs a few years ago. He uh, took the legs out from under Neil Pionk uh, of, at the Jet, of the Jets at the time uh, in retaliation for an incident earlier in that game that uh, Pionk caused injury to another teammate. And Spezza got a six-gamer that was commuted to four eventually, but it wasn't worth more than two. So, again, uh, this this is nothing new, but it just continues to happen. And we're going to continue to talk about it 
until it doesn't happen as consistently as it has. So that's our bellyache right off the top, AJ. But uh, let's get back into the, into the groove with talking about uh, another division uh, off the top here and then getting into our nuts and bolts with the player ad, player drops, and hot players and all that sort of a thing. Let's take a look, a snapshot of the Pacific Division. It looks like it's, you can cut it almost in half, AJ. <laughs> I'll let you describe what you see from the eight teams in this loop. Yeah, I mean, absolutely right. Uh, you know, you got Vegas and Vancouver right at the top. Uh, you could include LA in that group of kind of the <clears throat> the strong teams here. Uh, Vegas, you know, putting a, a little bit of a gap on Vancouver right now. Uh, Seven-point lead, or six-point rather. Uh, my math not working there for a second. A uh, six-point lead. Uh, but, yeah, you know, the other thing that I think is really important to note is Edmonton is really surging. Uh, and we kind of expected that to happen. They're on a seven-game win streak, 7-3-0 and in their last 10 games. Uh, and, and they're they're coming for a spot in the top. I think most people would have expected them to be in that top three at the start of the season. I'm, I'm sure both of us uh, picked, picked them to be up there. Vancouver, probably the surprise here, I think probably fringe roster or fringe uh, wildcard team. Uh, for if, if both of us were uh, looking at our preseason rankings, but they're, they're right in the thick of it. And uh, yeah, so it'd be a good battle for the top three here. Once we get Edmonton uh, continuing to roll. Yeah. I'll take us through the bottom four teams too, AJ, before I have a, a comment on the top four Calgary, I can see why they're looking at uh, in, involved in a lot of trade rumors because they're in that middle tier, but I don't see them with the upper trajectory of Edmonton Club. They have the same points, but Calgary's played three more games, and I just don't think Calgary Club has it in them, particularly now with Jacob Markstrom out of the lineup with a finger fracture that's going to keep him sidelined for several weeks. That's a, a killing blow for this team, and uh, they might just hang around in the middle of the pack in that nowhere land, and that might behoove them to... Uh, to start setting for sale signs on some of their players that they're not apt to re retain in the offseason and, and get the jump on some of the other teams that are, are thinking about being sellers. So there's going to be a bidding war for defensemen because around the league, there's a whole host of them that have been sidelined on some of the clubs. Uh, look at Vegas missing two guys at the top end of their roster. We'll get into the injury situation later, but Calgary definitely in a position to capitalize that way. Seattle, by all accounts, AJ, they had a great uh, inaugural campaign. And now, though, they're looking every bit the, uh, like an expansion club. They're on an eight-game losing streak, and they're six games under 500. Uh, Anaheim Ducks missing two stars in the middle of the ice there. They might get Zegras back, but uh, they're without uh, another key player in their lineup. And I don't know that they have enough talent to stay afloat unless they have all hands on deck. And it shows in the last 10 games, one win, nine losses in that uh, 10 games set and then finally san jose they look like they might not ever win a game the way they started the season but they're <laughs> five three and two in their last 10 surprisingly and they're doing it without missing a whole host of players but they're getting their act together and i think they might climb over a team like anaheim possibly seattle finishing sixth in the division but that's as high as they're going to go now a quick comment about the top four teams i'll say we're going to see quite a race between vegas vancouver and la vegas is doing with, with it with a host of injuries on their roster I, I got to think they're going to get healthy at some point, but right now they're doing it with 
a great commitment to team play, just like the Bruins over in the Atlantic Division. And uh, it doesn't matter who's in the lineup. They're just playing a real shutdown game, and they're getting good enough goaltending from a trio of goalies. They're rotating through, and uh, they're holding off Vancouver and L.A. right now. But that's three very good teams. And while Edmonton has won seven straight games, they're still 11 points behind L.A. for that third spot. So they've got to stay hot for a lot longer period of time to close that gap even more because I don't think any of those top three teams is coming back to Edmonton. So it's up to the Oilers to continue to roll along. And, you know, I still question their goaltending. They're going to really wear out Skinner, it looks like, because they don't have the confidence to play Pickard on a regular basis. So that could really cost them. I could see Edmonton making a deal for a goalie to try and, and uh, shore things up there, but it could be a money-in, money-out situation that costs them a key player on the roster or a key draft pick along the way. But uh, what I are think you talking, it, Paul? They just gave him a night off, you know, his second game off in their last 14 or last 15 what, exactly what are you about? exactly i mean they're gonna wear this wear this guy out he's never not been known for that kind of a workload and i think you got to consider that situation and you can't expect i mean while mcdavid is getting two three points a game i don't know that he even he can keep that up so there's a lot of ifs still in the edmonton situation and they have that 11 point gap to make up in that division so uh you know it i, I do see it as a tale of two four two sets of four teams in this division, the haves and the have-nots, and uh, I think it's going to play out that way, but where the Oilers wind up is going to be the biggest surprise uh, for me, I think. Well, partner, let's get into uh, the the nuts and bolts of our show that people look forward to on a weekly basis, as far as I can tell. We're going to spend a few minutes talking about the hottest players in the past week and lean on those that really haven't been heavily owned in fantasy this season. When I look at the top of this list, AJ, you know, of course, the likes of Kucherov and Eichel and McDavid are up there. But in the middle of them, I'm going to highlight three other guys near the top of that list. Thomas Hurdle of the San Jose Sharks is owned in 49% of leagues. He had a five-goal, one-assist week, 19 shots on goal. That's par for the course for this guy when he's rolling. Uh, a real top-end top sniper that's kind of pulling the San Jose Sharks along and off the, the bottom of the standings, uh, if I can say. And... Uh, and right along with him, there's Anthony Sorelli of Tampa. Now, Tampa is one of the teams that played a lot more games than, than most. They've, they've got a four or five games more than a couple other teams in their Atlantic division. And they're right now out of a playoff spot. But it's not through the fault of Anthony Sorelli, who's moved up to a second-line role for the club, despite the fact he's only 4% owned. He had a four-goal, two-assist week last week. And again, I like to highlight the extra stats there. He blocked 10 shots. And, and took 13 shots on goal. So uh, that kind of two-way play is making him a really valuable part of any plans that Tampa has for the rest of the season, I'm sure. And then I'll highlight one guy, one more guy that's not wholly owned in this list, uh, AJ, another San Jose player, Michael Granlund, 35% owned. This is a veteran who could be on the trade block later in the season. So it behooves us to watch players like this who might be helpful to teams in the playoff hunt. One goal, six helpers. Uh, last week, and he's a guy who's led his teams in scoring uh, with 60-plus point seasons. So uh, that production is not a fluke in my estimation. And uh, when San Jose gets a couple of guys back in the lineup, like Logan Couture, for example, hasn't played a game yet this year, there can be a tougher out. So uh, don't gloss over that team. Any thoughts of yours from uh, the producers that we expect to produce and uh, others that might be surprises in your opinion? 
Well, I, just a you know, word of caution to any uh, NHL GMs out there. The last guy to make an in-season trade, in trade for Mikael Granlund got fired. So um, <laughs> maybe don't do that. Um, <laughs> it's uh, a little close to home, doesn't it? Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, I, I am less convinced. Now, granted, with San Jose, he's playing a more prominent role than he was getting in Pittsburgh. So that could certainly be a factor uh, in that, but I, I am way less convinced that this production is going to hang on um, in, in quite the same way you are. I, I count myself in the 65% of people who do not own Mikael Granlund. <laughs> so uh, yeah, just, um, yeah, just some thoughts on that. But uh, as far as, you know, the rest of the board here, again, you know, we try and highlight some of those uh, stat anomalies sometimes if you see them. Uh, if you were to just go on NHL.com, Rotowire.com has this up there too, and just look who had the most points in the last week, you'd actually see Sam Reinhardt sitting there. But for our scoring settings that he's still outside of the top 10, uh, comes in at 11 because of seven assists and only one goal, and perhaps more concerningly, just six shots. Uh, you compare him to, you know, Nikita Kucherov, who you highlighted, 20 shots on goal, Sorelli, 13, uh, Reinhardt, just six in, in three games. So, um, again, just be aware of some of those trends. If you uh, are points league, assists are valuable, maybe he's worth it. If you are, you know, a broader rotisserie uh, setup where shots on goal are, are key, uh, maybe he's not, you know, worth it. Uh, even though, you know, 96% owned in, in leagues. So I would assume most people, but again, just one of those cautionary things to, to look out for. Uh, on the flip side, Jack Hughes, 22 shots on goal, just one goal in, in four games, two assists along the way. So the numbers were a little bit down this week, but from my standpoint, that's a player, um, you know, to, to take a look at uh, or, Maybe not take a look at. He's 100% owned. But if you're evaluating your lineup decisions, right? Do I put Jack Hughes in? Do I not? Uh, oh, man, he only has one goal this last week. But the shots are there. I mean, three games without a uh, without a goal, kind of a bit of a scoring slump here. But 16 shots on net over that stretch. Like, one's going to go in here eventually. So uh, things to keep an eye out for when you're maybe evaluating not just pickups, although we do talk about that a lot, but sit-start decisions. I would continue to start Jack Hughes um, because those shot total, totals are high. And if I was picking between him and, say, Sam Reinhardt or uh, even Mikael Granlin, he had just six shots in his last three games, I would default to Hughes because the higher shot total, to me, speaks to longer sustained production. AJ, I look at a guy like Travis Connecty, and I wonder, you know, he was 10th in the league in production last week in our in the scoring system that we have here that counts the shots and block shots and hits as well as the point scoring. Four goals and two helpers for a guy who's been consistently in their top six. He's got uh, a year left, uh, two years left on the contract this year and next year that pays him north of $5 million a year. And I wonder if there's a team that might take a run at him if they suffer a, a key injury up front or would like to bolster their attack. Philadelphia is not full of players like this, and they might consider the haul that they might get for a guy like Connecting, who is a feisty player as well. I really like his playing style. And so while he's 87% owned in our fantasy leagues, I just wonder if he'll maintain the same address this season if he continues to score like he does. So just throwing that name out there. And uh, Jonathan March, so just continues to march along in uh, in 
Vegas, and he's one of the reasons why they're not suffering despite a rash of injuries because the veteran is continuing to pull his end of the rope pretty hard. Three goals, one helper last week, 17 shots on goal in four games, and really moving up in class in terms of helping this team uh, scoring-wise as well as his strong defensive play continuing. Vlad Tarasenko in Ottawa, I wondered how he would fit in with the Senators. He's, he's doing just fine, owned in 51% of leagues. This is a guy who is, uh, could be a big-time scorer if he uh, finds his ultimate path uh, there. He's playing almost 18 minutes a game, had three goals, two helpers last week, only owned in half the leagues that are out there. And despite that fact, uh, in three games played, he accumulated 39.7 fantasy points on the week, putting him in about 20, uh, 17th on, on our list. Ryan Nugent Hopkins playing in the shadow of of the big gunners in Edmonton uh, deserves some credit too for the fact that he always shows up on the score sheet. Six assists last week. So while he's not scoring the goals, he's certainly in on the plays and a regular on the power play there. You might wish that he could shoot more because he's only shooting like two shots on goal per game. And you'd think with that skill set and the players he could play with, he should be doing better. I got a close look at the Islanders last night in the Leafs overtime loss, and I liked what I saw out of Bo Horvat and Matthew Barzal. Barzal seems to be the most skilled player in that lineup, and he's showing it with his recent play. Two goals and three helpers last week. Bo Horvat continued right where he left off. He's been a scoring sensation on the island since he joined this club via trade, and two goals, four helpers for him. A team that we don't look at as a big-time scoring machine has these guys rolling along right now. So there are a whole host of players that make the grade here, along with the big boys that we touched on, the Eichels, Barkov, McDavid, McKinnon. They're always going to be up there consistently, but a whole host of others that merit consideration if you're looking for help on your squad. Take us through uh, the top end guys on the defense list, AJ. Yeah, a couple of familiar uh, names at the top here. Roman Yossi led the way, 10 blocks, powering that. Uh, five points, three of which were on the power play. Evan Bouchard for Edmonton, as they continue to surge, he's taking on more and more uh, of a role there. Six points in three games. Drew Doughty for L.A. Uh, those are the names you expect to see at the top of the list. Maybe one name that you didn't expect to see is Mike Riley. Speaking of the, the Islanders, uh, they picked up Riley off waivers after uh, Adam Pellers went down with an injury. Ryan Pulak is hurt now as well. So Mike Riley taking on a bigger role. And in his uh, seven games uh, with the Islanders, he's got four points. One of those assists coming on the power play. He's been seeing minutes with the second unit there. 18 shots in those seven games as well. And just 1% owned. So if I'm like established, my D is pretty good. I probably don't overreact if a player has a slump. But if I've got an injury or maybe a longer sustained slump, maybe some guy just not in a role that I thought he would be. Uh, Mike Riley might be somebody to worth worth considering picking up here uh, just because he is on a new team. He is taking on a new role with that team. I mean, he barely got into the lineup with Florida. He played in two games, uh, didn't see any power play opportunities, uh, limited minutes, less than 15 minutes per game with, with Florida there. So uh, somebody to at least consider. Now, is he going to continue to produce at this level? Not so sure about that. Um, but he did, you know, he's got a couple, uh, he's got one year over 20 points uh, when you combine his numbers from two different teams. So he's capable of maybe being a 20, 25 point guy uh, with the Islanders right now. So definitely somebody to consider there. 
that's really been not owned and for good reason uh, in most leagues right now. AJ, I talk about St. Louis once in a while, and it's not just because of Jordan Bennington, but look at the trio of defensemen, veteran defensemen that they have on their roster. Two of them make the grade in the top 25 scorers last week, and Colton Pareko and Tori Krug. You can add Justin Falk to that mix, who's averaging over four shots on goal in his last six games played. So they're getting real good production offensively from a trio of players whose ownership is well south of the 50% mark. And uh, in Cabrico's case, he even offers 15 hits and 12 shots on the week. So great value there. And Krug has been a consistently high fantasy point producer in the last month. So there is some uh, there are some options in St. Louis to consider. Uh, we've been a little bit surprised by the poor performance of Carolina, but Jacob Slavin continues to do what he does best, at, and that's be one of the top two-way defensemen in hockey. Three assists last week, 12 shots on goal, a little bit higher shot rate than we've seen out of him in the past, and playing 27 minutes almost a game, so getting a lot of ice time, and yet he's not owned in 39% of leagues that are out there. And uh, with the injury to... Uh, one of the guys, one of the key cogs, Thomas Shabbat in Ottawa. We're looking at Jacob Chikrin as one of the linchpins in the Ottawa attack from the blue line. And he's uber skilled offensively, owned in 82% of leagues. But I think that ownership t- should tick up because they're going to really lean heavily on this guy going forward. I mentioned Philadelphia uh, with Konechny, another guy who has been a surprise contributor, I would say, uh, for the Flyers. Travis Sanheim emerging as one of the, the league's top young defensemen. One goal, three helpers last week, playing over 23 minutes a game, only owned in 45% of leagues out there. So help is available if you're looking for blue line, blue line assistance. AJ, a couple more names from you before we move on to the goalies. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're, uh, you know, Tori Krug uh, is a player that uh, a lot of people would have uh, expected a little bit more here, but. Uh, he has been uh, kind of excused from practice lately, so it sounds like maybe he's playing through something um, that they're letting him kind of recover from. It hasn't impacted his ability to play. Of course, something to, to monitor heading into their next game just in case uh, something changes there. Zach Wierenski, another name that uh, a lot of times has been kind of top producer here. Numbers just aren't uh, what you would hope they would be. Big minutes on the man advantage that continues, but uh, he hasn't scored a goal since uh, October, uh, 26 games without a goal. Uh, assists are decent, but they're, they're not enough to really drive his numbers forward. Uh, shots are, you know, okay uh, of late two to three per game is about the average for him. So uh, you'd expect a little bit more out of, out of both those guys. Uh, kind of sitting, you know, towards the bottom of our list of kind of top 25 uh, defensemen right now. Exactly. AJ, I'll wind this up by talking about a couple more players. Josh Morrissey, of course, uh, is the linchpin in Winnipeg. He's kind of unseated Neil Pionk in that way, and Pionk's numbers have gone the other way, while Morrissey's gone has gone really uh, up, up, and up uh, on a consistent basis there. So there is a bit of a casualty, though, with Pionk's numbers suffering on the flip side of that. And uh, one more uh, is Mikhail uh, Sergachev. He's trying to unseat Victor Hedman as the linchpin in, in the Tampa situation, but uh, it's not going so well of late. Only one assist last week. He did 
blocked 15 shots in four games, so that's a high watermark for him. But they're expecting more offense from him and to challenge their uh, one of their assistant captains in the whole mix in Tampa. And that might be one of the reasons why they're flagging a little bit because they're really leaning on on a core there that's a small smaller core than it's been in the past as some uh, of their veteran stalwarts are, have moved on to greener pastures owing to the salary cap situation, AJ. How about in the Nets, uh, the goalies that caught our eye this past week? Well, it starts uh, with a couple of guys that uh, picked up three wins this uh, this last week. You've got Carter Hart undefeated over that stretch, uh, just four goals allowed in three games, a 9.58 save percentage for him. Andre Vasilevsky, three wins and three starts, 9.49. Uh, so he's clearly finding his game here uh, and, and figuring that out. And then uh, UC Saros as well, another guy with three wins and three starts. Uh, same, exact same save percentage, 949 is Vasilevsky, slightly higher goals against average, uh, just because he gave up uh, gave up five goals to uh, Vasilevsky's four. Uh, so yeah, a real strong group of guys. Uh, Saros may be the, the bigger surprise there, just because uh, Nashville has been uh, up and down this year. Uh, they're seven, three and zero in their last 10, uh, but they are still sitting fourth behind Winnipeg, Dallas and Colorado. So again, Vasilevsky finding his stride, Saros uh, finding his stride. Carter Hart continues to stave off what I expect to be the eventual drop in his performance at mm-hmm. this point, but uh, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is the year uh, I'm sure Flyers fans have said that uh, before, but maybe this is the year he he kind of uh, puts together a full season. I think that would always be the knock on Carter Hart is uh, good at times, uh, but then, you know, really struggles to put together a full, uh, well, for a goalie, like 60 game season. Uh, so, yeah, we'll we'll see. AJ, there are a number of goalie tandems. There's not too many goalies that play on the pace for 60 games anymore. And in Minnesota, we watch how the split has gone down with Philip Gustafsson and Marc-Andre Fleury. This past week, Gustafsson was in three games. He won two of them and only allowed four goals against. So 83% owned across fantasy leagues. And uh, that number will stay at that level if this guy continues to play three out of every four games of late, but Marc-Andre Fleury's stats will suffer on the flip side. Uh, it could be a continuation of though, really have a win and you stay in kind of a circumstance when you have a tandem of two goalies that they should have faith in both of them, no question. Uh, another team in that vein is uh, Las Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights. They're leaning on Logan Thompson in the past week, and he appeared in three starts, getting two wins, allowing only six goals. He's owned in 78% of leagues, I sus- 76% of leagues, and I suspect that that figure won't go down as long as he continues to play at that rate for one of the top teams in the league, arguably the top one at the moment. Connor Hellebuck, we had some questions and concerns about him in the offseason, AJ. I wondered if he could maintain his level, uh, elite level of play that he has had throughout his career with a team that I didn't count among the top clubs in the league, but he's done just fine, thank you very much. Won both of his starts last week, a total of four goals against, and uh, of course, 99% owned. But I was wondering if there would be a slip in his play. There really hasn't been. And right behind him, Devin Levi in, in uh, the goalie carousel that is in Buffalo. Seems that they can't keep their, their young goalies healthy right now. Luka Pekalukanen is sidelined, but Levy has uh, appeared in two games in the past week, winning one of them, allowing three goals against in his two starts. So there he goes. We t- we joked a little bit about Stuart Skinner 
uh, and uh, how he has been leaned on heavily by the Oilers. As long as they continue to win, he's going to look great in the stat sheets, uh, picking up two wins, 80% of ownership uh, in falling his way. And then right behind him, Cam Talbot continues to be the shocker, I'll say, on this list. Week in, week out, he appears because <laughs> the Kings continue to roll along and win. And he uh, only gave up three goals against in his two starts. So just the numbers have been spectacular for him, AJ. Yeah, hard to hard to knock uh, Talbot. It looks very much like I, I doubt they're going to use him as much because I think that burned him out for like five seasons. But um, looking like the goalie that played 73 games for Edmonton uh, and won 42 of them. Uh, hopefully, like I said, hopefully they don't burn him out quite to that level. Uh, has obviously bounced around to Philadelphia and Calgary, Minnesota and Ottawa since then. Uh, seems to maybe have found something here in L.A. Uh, and, you know, career rear best uh, goals against average right now. Hopefully I'm not jinxing him on, on that. Uh, same with save percentage. Both of those would mark uh, pretty much career best if they held on. AJ, there's a couple of goalie tandems. We're, we're going to talk about them all season long. How Who gets the upper hand at what point? And Montreal is a three-headed monster. Sam Montembeau has uh, just received a three-year contract extension where it looks like he's going to be the goalie of the future. But Jake Allen is the oldest of the three and is in the mix here. And I think he's a guy that would be considered trade bait for, for Montreal to look around the league and see who needs help in the Nets. There's a couple of contending teams that should be calling on the Canadians about the veteran goalie. So that's a situation to watch. Also, I mean, not a, Paul, I got to be honest. I, I know you're trying to pump the brakes on your Habs hate here uh, on the show as much as you can, but I don't know anybody that wants a goalie that's dropped seven in a row this season. Jake Allen has not looked good uh, at all. So uh, I've, Got to gotta, gotta call you on that one. Pump the brakes a little bit, especially 3.85 is the cap hit for this year and next year. Uh, and for some strange reason, he's got a modified no trade clause. So it uh, looks like it's pretty limited, but uh, he can list seven teams that he can't go to. So uh, I don't know that they're going to get away from Jake Allen, at least not a midseason trade. If he can kind of kibosh a handful of teams uh, and that, you know, I don't know who wants him right now at that price tag for just no wins. <laughs> well, it, you can blame the roster for no wins, AJ. This guy was heroic in the early part of the season. Uh, his, his, his play has had a downtick for sure. Last three starts, averaging three, four goals a game against. But before that, it was a run of two and three, two and three, one, three, four. So he held things in check in the early going. But uh, I think it's this guy's been guy... terrible since the start of November, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in three starts, four starts. So, uh, I mean, take a look at whatever sample size you want. But this is a veteran guy who I think, if he's in a better situation, could be helpful to other teams is, is the point that I'm making. And uh, in terms of other guys that I would consider, look at uh, the Jersey situation with Akira Schmidt, uh, AJ. Uh, he's making a case for more regular work there almost out-dueling Vitek Vanacek of late, but they have they can rely on both of these guys, I think, and we'll see maybe a closer to a 50-50 split until one unseats the other. What do you think about that goalie mix? Oh, that's a tough one to to pin down. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's just going to be like kind of like you said, uh, you know, win and you stay in kind of split there. Um yeah, that's a that's a probably one of the tougher ones I think to to pin down here. 
And finally, we got to mention what's going on in Calgary. I talked about Jacob Markstrom being out of the lineup on the IR. They're going to lean on two youngsters, Dan Vladar, who kind of came to the forefront uh, last year battling for ice time. And then Dustin Wolf has come up for the minors. He's a very highly, highly touted prospect. Which one of these guys do you think take, takes hold here? Or do they go win in your end and split things? I think it'll be a pretty even split. I don't know that they want to throw uh, wolf to the wolves, as it were. Um, nice. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're, they're really just biding their time as long as they can until, uh, until Markstrom comes back and then he'll go back to take in the bulk of the workload here. So, um, yeah, I would expect more of an even split in, in that one. And as we go to the most added players, AJ, we can continue this goalie lean that we've been talking about. Connor Ingram has kind of got the inside lane in Arizona over Carol Vimelka of late, and his ownership has spiked by 22% over the past week. That's one situation to watch. And then Alex Lyon for Detroit has gained uh, the edge over uh, a couple of guys in the wings situation, including James Reimer. His ownership spiked by almost 10%. How do you read those goalie situations before we continue to go through the most added players this past week? Uh, you know, I think Ingram has really played his way into uh, into some more some more opportunities there. He's looked really, really good, uh, you know, and that's that's why they've been rolling with him. Now, did the workload get to be a little too much? Maybe he's given up nine goals in his last two games, but it was against playoff caliber teams in Philadelphia and Boston. Uh, he got uh, he got some rest uh, last night against Buffalo, uh, but I expect to see Ingram at least get half. They were doing that for the entirety of the, the open part of the season. But I, th- I think he's played himself into a bigger share of this list. Uh, Detroit, I don't know. They're going to just shuffle through. I think Billy Husso will take the majority of the starts, but he's also looked pretty bad in his last couple outings. Uh, meanwhile, you've got James Reimer there as well. And he uh, had a good – he, like – Came in relief, stopped all seven shots. Like, oh, we'll start him the next game because he looks so good. And then he gave up five goals on 34 <laughs> shots. So didn't look so good when he had to actually start. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and Reimer hasn't won since late October. Now he hasn't played a ton of games over that stretch. So I think Billy Husso will see the majority of the starts there. So I wouldn't necessarily jump on the Alex Lyon train right now. Uh, especially because he did get pulled in that game that that Reimer came in for. And there's just no certainty around who's going to see most of those starts. AJ, with the injury to uh, Dougie Hamilton, the Devils have had to resort to other options. Young Simon Nemec uh, has played his way into a spike in ownership of 9.3% because he's getting a lot more offensive starts. Evan Rodriguez of Florida fitting in as a guy who's no longer considered a top uh, fourth liner. He's He's playing no worse than third line minutes. And, and it's a very deep forward compliment in Florida that he's joined. So that helps his stock. Uh, we talked a little bit about Los Angeles in the opening and uh, a couple of reasons why they're contending club at the top of that division is that they have that three headed monster at center, but a couple of wingers are really emerging. And I still lament the fact the Leafs didn't hold on to Trevor Moore. His ownership is at, now at 63% after an 8.1% spike, but young Quinton Byfield, formerly a very high draft pick, is really coming into his own this year and uh, playing well in first-line minutes. His ownership is only at 23.1%, so some real opportunities there if you're looking to bolster your offense and people are starting to recognize these guys and uh, 
yet they're still available in the, in the lion's share of leagues out there. One other kid that I want to mention, Leo Carlson for Anaheim. It's not just about Connor Bedard in the rookie class this season. Leo Carlson is certainly making an impression with Anaheim and getting more ice time, as I said, because they're missing two other young stars in their offense, but leaning on the rookie, and he's uh, he's holding his own so far. Well, yeah, a few other uh, maybe guys to, to think about here. Um, Leo Carlson is up to about uh, about 17% here, and I think I would see that maybe creep up a little higher. Now, they have been doing kind of minute management with him uh, and kind of scratching him periodically, but when he does play, he's on that first line with Alex Kalorn and Troy Terry, uh, so he's got some decent support on the, on the wings. Uh, he'd be a player I'd consider looking at because eventually they're going to kind of take the training wheels off, if you will, and let him play a little bit more. Uh, you know, we've we've seen um, uh, Quinton Byfield up about 7%. That feels about right. I would expect those numbers. In a similar situation, Byfield will creep up a little bit more. He's playing top minutes with Kopitar, uh, you know, a, a good spot for him to be in as well. AJ, let's look at some of the guys that were dropped uh, in the NHL uh, fantasy leagues last week. We'll take a look at that, actually. Well, I forgot. we got to take a break here. I'm all of a sudden breath. So <laughs> we'll, we'll be back after these messages. You're listening to the podcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll turn our attention to drops and uh, injuries and DFS strategy when we return. So hang around, and we'll be back with you in a minute. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
All right, we're back on the podcast with Statsman and AJ. You're listening to Paul Bruno and AJ Schultz go through the, all the stats and information you need on a weekly basis to keep your fantasy hopes alive as you go through the season with us. And uh, at this point, we're going to take a look at the most dropped players and some injury news from around the league, AJ. So why don't you start us off in that regard? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, looking at you know some of the injury uh, injury news here at the top, uh, you've got uh, Brian Rust is going to be out week to week with an upper body injury. That's a pretty big blow uh, for the the Penguins, who are still without Ricard Raquel. So missing two of their top six wingers, uh, it's shown in their recent performance. We mentioned Dylan Larkin, technically listed as an upper body injury, but I would imagine that's probably a concussion. Um, so he's for sure out a week. Uh, they also won't have David Perron for that six game suspension that we talked about. Another uh, big loss for uh, for that team as well. And then Boone Jenner, uh, broken or fractured jaw, rather, out six weeks. That's a huge, huge blow for Columbus on a team that already is is pretty thin, uh, just in terms of depth. Uh, they also don't have Jack Roslavic right now. Um, and he shifted over to L- LTIR, four to six week absence as of November. So he's probably about a month in. So still two more weeks for that one as well. I mentioned the Islanders, uh, Ryan Pulak uh, and Adam Pellich, both sidelined. Uh, Connor, uh, Kyle Connor for Winnipeg, a huge blow for them. Uh, and kind of a knee-on-knee hit there. Uh, not looking good for a short-term absence for him. Last update is that he's going to undergo an MRI. Um, they haven't provided more information on that, but look, I would be shocked if it's anything less than week to week uh, and, you know, you run the risk of potentially that being season ending, maybe anytime you talk about a knee that needs an MRI, it's, it's something to at least be considering there. So those are kind of some of the biggest storylines. I'll also confirm just came across confirmation that both uh, Charlie McAvoy and Pavel Zaka will not play for Boston uh, in their upcoming game. So uh, still listed as day to day, but both of those guys are out uh, for, for their next game. Yeah, that's important because we talked about the structure that Boston plays with, but you got to know who's getting the top six minutes with Marchand and the Pasternak out there, particularly in the middle of the ice. And that's in flux with Saka out of the lineup. And uh, we'll see how that, if they can hold the fort. Another injury there that, that caused some concern is Derek Forbert, a defensive-minded defenseman, is out on LTIR with uh, uh, an undisclosed injury. So Boston has its challenges this year where they might not have had so many in the past. Uh, we'll see how they hold up in that regard. I mentioned in Anaheim, McTavish still out with that upper body injury. It was supposed to be a short-term absence, but it's it's lingering right now. And it's tempered by the fact that Trevor Zegers is back at practice. They've missed him for a long time now, so they could ill afford to have both of those guys out any longer. And at least they can see that one is on the horizon. Maybe both will be eventually. In terms of another pending return, Alex Tuck will return later this in, this week. He was out with a lower body injury. And he and Tage Thompson have been key parts of this Buffalo Sabres attack when healthy. And it'd be nice to see both of them back in tow uh, leading the Buffalo attack uh, going forward later this week. And uh, one more I want to mention, A.J. Andrei Zvechnikov is a sniper that Carolina really can ill afford to miss in their lineup. They have not been the team that we expected all season long, and they just seem can't seem to get on track. And now 
the big winger has got an upper body injury and is, he's facing an MRI situation. So it doesn't sound very promising for him either as this team, which was highly regarded in the offseason, is struggling to stay healthy. And uh, it doesn't help that while he's out of the lineup, Jesperi Kotkaniemi is a guy who had some traction earlier in the season, but he's fallen on harder times and the scoring has just dropped precipitously and his ownership as well. He's down to 23.9% ownership, and that's on merit, folks. He just can't seem to uh, grasp the opportunity that's been given him with some of the injuries around him. Ditto for Patrick Line, AJ. I thought this guy was going to be fine and prosper with the fact that he would likely play a lot with Johnny Hockey and Boone Jenner early on. We mentioned Jenner's out of the lineup, but uh, Johnny Gaudreau is there, and they're just not producing enough to make Columbus relevant right now, and it's reflected in a drop in Line A's ownership. So while we talk about injuries a lot in this segment, there's a couple of player names that are are interesting and in that they're not producing the level that was expected. You can almost throw Tyler Bertuzzi in the mix if you're critical of what the leaf winger has done. He was thought to have a shot to be a top-line winger with Matthews and Marner. That really didn't work out. In fact, they've split Matthews and Marner up, but Bertuzzi's ownership has dropped right around the 50% mark, and yet he's surrounded by a lot of talent there. And I still have hope that he's going to turn it around and deliver. So I'm not going to bail on him in terms of my hopes for the player. But uh, there are a few other injury notes that we got to get to, AJ, and I'll let you uh, take a shot at a few of them. Yeah, uh, uh, I mentioned Detroit having uh, some issues. They also had to put JT Comfer on injured reserve as well. Uh, so that's that's a hit for them as well. Uh, Vegas doesn't have two of their, their blue liners right now in uh, Martinez, Alec Martinez, and um, Shea Theodore. Uh, they also have been dealing with uh, an injury, a lower body injury for Aiden Hill. Uh, he's missed their last five games. Uh, no real kind of update on how long that might be. Uh, so obviously, T- uh, Logan Thompson, I almost said Tage Thompson would be a problem if he was in that. Uh, mm-hmm. Logan Thompson has been uh, getting most of the starts. They've also got uh, Yuri P- uh, Patera up with them as well. So uh, not a lot of teams avoiding uh, avoiding some of the injury uh, news. Uh, Tanev in uh, Calgary, he'll be out their next game. Uh, that got confirmed today. Obviously, we talked about Markstrom being out for them as well. Uh, so, yeah, plenty of injury news to to go around the league right now, unfortunately. Yeah, and close to home for me is the Joseph Wall situation in the net with the Leafs. I, I hated seeing the injury designation. The lack of reporting on injuries in the NHL continues to confound me, AJ, where <laughs> we compare it to the NFL and they report headaches and hangnails for the players on, on the injury list in the NFL. In the NHL, you've got a guy who clearly hurt a groin or a hip in in Joseph Wall, and they won't disclose what it was. And they're only saying, well, maybe even in a high ankle sprain is thrown into the mix. And they're not saying how long he's going to be out, but my best guess is anywhere from three to six weeks for the guy. And it's going to put a lot of pressure on the Leafs' defensive structure because they're already hampered with the blue line absences of a few players. Happily for me, Timothy Lilligren, one of the key pieces on the blue line at the beginning of the season, was expected to play top four minutes, is going to be back with the club soon. He's on the ice practicing, and he will be welcomed with open arms by a team that's had to resort to playing three AHLers on the blue line for the last couple of weeks, and they've been afloat nicely. They've only lost one in their past 12 in regulation, so uh, they've been holding their own. 
in Pittsburgh. What's the situation with Brian Rust, AJ? I see an upper body hurt and another week-to-week designation. Do you have anything more on that one? No, like I said before, that's that's the latest info on on Rust is just that okay. uh, that upper body injury, not not a lot else on there. Um, they did bring in uh, on a tryout uh, Jesse Puyarvi. Uh, he's recovering from off-season uh, hip surgery, so you know they're hoping that he'll be uh, Patrick Kane, right? Um, <laughs> obviously not, but that you know that speaks to kind of the problems that they're having with the top six, six right now. Like I said, Ricard Raquel out, Rust out now, uh, so getting Puyarvi, he's not going to play super soon. They're kind of working him through his paces, getting up to speed from that injury. Um, Maybe some good news. They might get Pierre Oliver Joseph back on the blue line. Uh, Chad Ruido is getting close to returning as well. Um, but overall, uh, those are more kind of bottom three combination guys uh, that are that are factoring in there. AJ, it's time we turn our attention to the NHL's uh, schedule tonight, and uh, there are a whole host of games. I think ten on the on the docket. So. Uh, Let's take a look at our best bets in DraftKings and Fan and FanDuel formats. You got the DK version. I'll follow you up. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm gonna do uh, right off the bat with my centers uh, and winger combos. Gonna do a little high low here tonight uh, and go with two kind of pairs right away. So I'll start that with. Uh, I want to use Patrick Kane tonight. I think it's a good matchup with Detroit. 5800 is the price tag. He's not super expensive. So he needs a center with uh, Larkin out, with Comfier out. So uh, Andrew Kopp is set to be the first-line center playing along with Kane and DeBrincat. I think that's a great assignment for him. Kopp is just 3,800 on DraftKings. So uh, a nice little high-low there, and, and Kane's really not that high right now. I would expect his price to continue to creep up as he gets more games under his belt. And then my other high-low combination, uh, I'm, I'm maybe this is just wishful thinking, but uh, hopeful that the Penguins are going to maybe turn turn a corner here tonight. They've got a home matchup with Arizona. Now we've talked repeatedly about Arizona not being a walkover, so it's not a, a breeze matchup. But I'm going to take Sidney Crosby, 7,600. He's been one of the bright spots, even as this team continues uh, to struggle. Uh, has uh, four goals a game over his last three games, so plenty of shots on the floor there. Uh, and then I'll pair him up with Drew O'Connor. Uh, 3,000 for O'Connor. Uh, numbers haven't been uh, outrageous. He's, he doesn't have a, he has just one goal in his last five games, 12 shots. But anytime you're playing with Crosby and uh, Gensel, that's that's an opportunity. Now I will be keeping an eye on those lineups if O'Connor's out and say they put uh, Redeem Zahorna up there or Mark Johnstone uh, as an option. I, I'll kind of change things up. Uh, appropriately O'Connor literally only getting in my lineup because he's playing with Crosby and Gensel tonight. The third winger uh, again is kind of a similar situation. I, we need to see how this shakes out. Uh, Nino Niederreiter Winnipeg is going up against San Jose. That's a good matchup here. 4,600 is a price tag. And I think he could be in contention to move into Kyle Connor's spot on the top line with Shifley and Nikolai Ehlers. At a minimum, he could move up to playing with Nemesikov and, and Velarde. Um, but I'll keep an eye on that as well. If Cole Perfetti gets the assignment with Shifley and Ehlers, I might switch over to him. Uh, Gabe Velarde has been there. So, again, kind of trying to find that third guy based on the injury news there. 
Uh, my defenseman, sticking with a couple guys who are just producing right now, willing to pay up for Evan Bouchard. They're at home against Chicago. I think Edmonton should continue to roll tonight. 6,600, his price tag. Mikhail Sergachev, 4,600. Victor Hedman is hurt. Uh, no word yet on whether or not Hedman's going to play. Not that I've seen, but um, even if he does, I think I keep Sergachev in. This one's not really dependent on that, but a, a good opportunity there. My utility spot, 5,200. Mentioned Edmonton being in a good spot here. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, a little, little high for a guy that's uh, – not been uh, scoring a lot of goals, but he does have six helpers in his last three games. Yeah. Uh, three of those coming with the man advantage. I'd like a little more shots out of him, but maybe uh, a matchup with Chicago at home. Good opportunity to break through that. And then in the Nets, I am going to go with Tristan Jari. Uh, I know Pittsburgh's been struggling, but it has not been the fault of their netminders at all. It's been a whole host of other problems. So I like Jari in this matchup tonight, 8,400, his price tag. All right, partner, I'm going to counter by leaning on the Winnipeg Jets, St. Louis Blues, and the Vegas Knights on tonight's schedule with my lineup being dotted with players from most, mostly from those teams. But off the top of the list, I'm looking at JT Miller. We don't often mention him, AJ, because he plays almost in the shadow of uh, Elias Pettersson over there in Vancouver. But he's every bit the scorer that Pettersson is, and he comes in a lot cheaper $7,500, the price tag against a Tampa club. You're, you mentioned they're a little bit banged up on the back end without one of their linchpins, prospectively, and uh, they haven't been playing very well of late. And uh, on the flip side, Vancouver's uh, Miller has got 10 points in his last seven games played, so I'll take that matchup uh, and pay happily pay the $7,500 price tag. I'll pair him with Mark Shifley for 7700 against San Jose. Now, San, San Jose is not no longer that free spot on the bingo card in terms of a walkover, as we implied earlier on. But I like the way Shifley's playing right now. Five goals and five helpers in his last 10 games played, really playing a power game, game in the middle of the ice on the top line for the Jets. Over to the wing position, we've got Pavel Buknevich in my lineup for $6,400 versus Detroit. He's got three goals and six helpers in his last nine games played, now actually centering the second line over there. And I think Detroit's ripe for the picking without a couple of top six forwards out of the lineup in Larkin and Perron, and uh, we touched on the reasons why there. So St. Louis should have a relatively comfortable time tonight against the Wings, I think, in a home date there. Uh, over to Vegas, I go for another winger, and Jonathan Marchessault, we've touted his offensive stats. The price tag is only $6,100 against a Calgary club that uh, where Marchessault's got four points in his last four games played, averaging four shots on goal in his last five starts. So taking a high volume of shots and playing a top six minutes for a club that should have the better of the game tonight is a no-brainer for me at 6,100. I go to the defense position. We talked about, I talked about this St. Louis blue line and I'm picking Tory Krug there. He has got six points, six assists in his last nine games played, averaging three shots on goal in that stretch and a power play quarterback for a, a unit that's getting their act together a little bit better than they were earlier in the season. The other defenseman that I take is Florida's uh, Aaron Ekblad for $4,800 coming in cheap uh, against Seattle, a club that's reeling right now. And the Florida Panthers, I think, just have too much talent for for Seattle. And, uh, and Ekblad shouldn't be in the middle of a lot of offensive forays. He's their number one on their number one uh, power play uh, on their top D pairing and has four assists in his last six games played. Then my two utility spots, AJ, I look at the fact that Kyle Connors out of the lineup in 
Winnipeg. And Nikolai Ehlers is kind of 1B when I think about the sniper capability on this on the wing in Winnipeg. So his stock should rise, and that $5,000 price tag should be well worth it against San Jose for a guy who's got five points in his last four games played and will now be on the top power play unit there. Round out the offense with uh, the addition of Ivan Barbashev of Vegas. Only $4,500 for a guy who's on a bit of a roll with a point-per-game pace in his last six starts. Gets a Winnipeg Jets club. Uh, I mean, the Calgary club uh, as the opponent tonight as the first-line wingers are for Vegas. And I stick with Vegas for my goalie pick because Calgary played last night a tough game and a tough loss. Is there a tougher back-to-back, AJ, than facing Col- Colorado and Vegas on the road back-to-back night. That's Calgary's lot, and I don't care who's in net for Vegas tonight. It looks like it's going to be Aiden Hill, the goalie uh, that's expected, but the price tag is $8,000 for each of them. So plunk that money down, and you receive, your odds of getting the goalie win are very, very high in that particular matchup. Now, AJ, I'm going to roll us into the final thoughts because there was a circumstance in on Long Island that kind of bothered me a little bit. John Tavares became the 98th player to reach the 1,000 point plateau he did it on long island with a pair of assists the, the second one which tied the game with only a handful of seconds left in the game pretty dramatic finish to uh, to get that record leafs emptied the bench to celebrate and uh, noted the the fact that tavares career started with nine years as the leader of the the islanders and uh, the fans booted merciless, mercilessly last night all game long and even when the milestone was allowed uh, announced and he still did the you know that half little skate to wave to the crowd to acknowledge the few that were clapping but they booed him ever since he jo- he joined the leafs and uh, i mean can, I, I wondered if they could not couldn't they put aside their their differences to recognize a significant nhl milestone for one of the most consistent players that i've seen in the nhl in the last 15 years yeah that was tough uh you know, I, I get it. He left, but like, it's not like he went with like scorched earth on the way out or anything. So yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it was a little bit over the top uh, and they, they probably should have cheered for somebody who spent a long, long time in their, their organization. So anyway, I'm going to tip my cap to the Leaf captain. He's been a model of consistency there, a point of a game player for the first six years of that seven-year contract that so much ink was spilled over. Boy, it was too much money. It put the Leafs in a jackpot. But he's done his part, being a solid citizen, a great leader, a strong two-way center, and gives the Leafs one of the best one-two punches in the middle of the ice that I see when I look around the NHL in terms of the pivots. So that's my view on that situation. Show a little bit more respect and a little class, folks, when a longtime NHLer reaches these milestones. Put aside those differences. I will, even for a guy like Rat Marchand, if he comes to a milestone against Leafs, I promise you. AJ, before we sign off. I believe that I, when I see it. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't expect it to happen, so that's why I can put my stick my neck out there a little bit. But AJ, before we sign off, we once in a while want to highlight uh, Rotowire and the services that are offered with within our the organization that we both work for and uh, i want you to tell our listeners why should they consider a subscription to rotowire and some of the we'll talk about highlight some of the aspects about the the things that are offered there but it's a tremendous set of resources that we have access to yeah so the the one that i want to highlight that just uh, just released uh, over on rotowire is a, a brand new uh, kind of DFS picks um, 
uh, platform. So uh, if you're familiar with sites like uh, Underdog or uh, Prize Picks, Sleeper, DraftKings just launched their their six play uh, where you're basically picking player props and you uh, get a certain payout depending on how many of those you pick. We just launched a completely uh, revamped uh, feature for that. We've got everything from NFL, NHL, soccer, uh, anything you could need uh, that's available as much as possible on, available on that site. And it will help you identify uh, players to, to target. You know, I'm looking at it right now um, and it uses an algorithm based on uh, how often a player hits, rotowire projections, how they look, what their projection or their over under is on other sites. So, for example, uh, Austin Matthews, one of the top ones, is uh, prize, uh, looking at prize picks. They've set the line at four if you think he's going over or under. Well, Rotowire projection uh, has him closer to five. Uh, a lot of sports books are sitting at four and a half. So it would seem to indicate that he has a good chance of reaching that, that four amount. So um, a great feature for any of those kind of new up and coming uh, I don't know if you're getting hit with the ads. I see them all the time for prize picks. Uh, DraftKings has been hitting their their pick six platform a lot. And we have tools on rotowire.com, not just for NHL, but for other sports to help you with those uh, contests. So uh, that's just part and parcel of what we avail of our, uh, we are availed to when we uh, am, are working for Rotowire, but you can have access to all this information too, just by taking a look and, and subscribing with, uh, with the platform. Uh, it'll be well worth it. You'll be happy you did because they, so it's the primary support for fantasy for all the major sports leagues. And uh, if you're not using it, you're missing out. And uh, that's the short answer to all that. We want to thank you for listening to Rotowire's podcast with Satsman and AJ. And as always, we remind you that we're here to assist you with all our all things relating to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey. So we encourage you to send your comments or questions on Twitter, where you can follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. Go on, everybody.